This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are, and we love talking about sex and sexuality and sexual pleasure, and hope our discussions will open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and you deserve it. So... Do you ever find yourself too busy to have fun? Is life getting in the way of all the exciting things you want to do? And perhaps sex is becoming less of a priority in that busy schedule that you have? After a while, you know, we get used to having less sex. Not that we like it, but we just accept it until one day we we realize that it's been months since the last time we had sex. Well, it's time to turn this around. Getting the sexy back into our lives is critical to our well-being. Today, we're going to be talking about the most important ingredient that we need to stay sexy in our relationship, sexual intimacy. And we're very excited to welcome our guest for today, Dr. Katie Schubert. She's a sex therapist based in Florida and works with individuals, couples, and families on issues related to sex, sexuality, gender, and sexual functioning. Katie, it's been a while that we've been trying to get you on our show. We know (laughs) it's been four and a half months since you had your newborn. So finally, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking to you guys. So, you know, it does happen sometimes that couples lose interest in sex, uh, but it's so important to continue having sex. So tell us why and how having sex makes uh, a couple so successful. Um, I'm not, you know, it's, it's more the intimacy that, that matters. And when couples are intimate with each other, they tend to care less about all of the annoying things that their partner does. So if their partner leaves the socks, you know, the socks on the bathroom floor, it's not that big of a deal if they're being intimate and getting their needs met in that way. So intimacy just, it brings relationships up a notch to a different level and it, it connects couples. Now, is that true for all couples? In a romantic relationship, I think some amount of intimacy is needed. Uh, There are certain couples who, you know, can't have intercourse. And um, when I see couples like that in my office, I try and work with them on ways that they can achieve intimacy in other ways. But it's so important to have that intimacy in our relationship. How exactly does that benefit us? Like I said, I think it just, it brings the relationship up to a different level. And it, it brings couples together so that they're not bothered by the annoying things that their partner does on a day-to-day basis. And physically having sex also adds to that intimacy? Yeah, any kind of physical touch will, will add to that intimacy. So a couple of shows ago, we had Lindsay Berkson on our show, and she was talking about how important that physical touch is, like massage, holding hands, and just lying naked together. Mm-hmm. Because it releases hormones in our bodies, right? Right, so how how sure. how important is that versus the actual act of fucking, of having sex, um, to keep that intimacy strong in a relationship? 
I, I think it's the, the act of touching that really matters. I, I'm not sure it matters so much what the touch is like so long as it is intimate. So with a lot of my couples, I see a lot of couples in my office who haven't had sex for quite some time. And it's typically because there's some amount of anxiety built up about the, about the intimate touch. And the very first thing I send them home to do are massage dates mm-hmm. with each other that are, that are completely non-sexual. And it's supposed to just get the intimacy ball rolling again. And what about eye gazing and, and looking at each other? Is that part of intimacy as well? For some people, yes. I, I really make sure to understand the couple before I give them any kind of sexy homework. Uh, because some couples, <laughs> I, I've, I've talked to some couples about eye gazing, and some couples have tried it at home, and they just can't keep a straight face when yeah. they do it. I know so that would be my problem. We, we are guilty. <laughs> Carol and I try eye gazing, yes. and all she does is laugh. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a good idea in theory, but um, it's sometimes <laughs> hard to do, especially when um, you're, you're just not, you're, you're not there on you know an emotional level and also even if you do have a great relationship that like we do I know one of the sexologists was suggesting that you do breathing exercises together just to quietly yeah. looking at each other and you breathe and I told her I couldn't even do that either so she said well just go back <laughs> <I couldn't either. laughs> just go back to back so that you're not looking at each other and then you can just focus yes. and, and let your mind go and the breathing you'll still feel it because you're touching back to back and you'll still feel it yes. and you end up getting in sync that way and I thought okay that uh-huh. I can do you know there are lots of Things yeah, that, that yeah. would seem very as as, obvious to me. Right, as long as you're not looking at it when you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, mean, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of times if I have couples who struggle with just mindfulness in general, be, being in the present moment, I'll have couples meditate together, but but not necessarily while they're touching. I just want them to get the practice in. Right, so that they're feeling the space around them. Like, what exactly do you get them yeah. to do? Yeah. So, um, so sex therapists use a practice called sensei focus. And it's, it's called Sensei Focus because during these exercises, the, the massage dates that I mentioned earlier, the couple is completely tuned in to their senses. Like mindfulness meditation, when you're tuned into your senses, you have an easier time being present in the, in the current moment. And, and sometimes that just starts with meditation without your, couple be, or without your partner being involved. So sometimes I'll send them home with that homework if they're having a really hard time being present. Now, what are some of the reasons that your couples come see you that why they've lost interest in sex? Oh, it ranges. Probably the biggest reason is that there is a lot of anxiety or pressure in the relationship around physical intimacy. So <clears throat> oftentimes it's, you know, him putting pressure on her. And because of this pressure, uh, she's feeling a tremendous amount of anxiety. And something I always tell my couples is, there's one thing I know for sure. I know that sex and anxiety don't work well together. Right. And when when couples begin to feel anxious about their sex life, they stop having sex. And sometimes when you stop having sex, it's so hard to re-engage back in that physical state. And oh, so yeah. there's more anxiety. Okay. It's like a vicious circle. And I know, Katie, you, it re- yeah. you, you wrote a blog about how important it is to get sleep. And women need even more sleep than men. How, <laughs> how important yeah. is, is that to, cr- to keep a, a great intimacy and sexual relationship going? Well, if people are tired, they're certainly not thinking about sex. And, and I, I do know that 
you know, oftentimes people aren't having or aren't getting enough sleep because there's a lot of other stuff happening in their lives. So it's usually a culmination of anxiety about work, anxiety about life, anxiety about not getting enough sleep. And when there's any amount of increased anxiety, the, the sex just isn't happening. Now, we've heard uh, like a phrase that goes something like sex represents about 20% of the relationship that you have with your spouse when you're having great sex, but it represents like mm-hmm. 80% of the relationship when you're not having sex. Well, it's, gosh, that, that quote is very true. You know, when, when couples aren't having sex, it seems like everything goes wrong. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when, when couples are having sex, they're not getting wrapped up in the little annoyances that their partners do on a day-to-day basis. So it's like that the sex isn't happening, um, which is you know problem number one, but because the sex isn't happening, now problem number two, three, four, five, all the way up to you know 10, those are all way bigger of a deal because they're not getting those basic physical needs met by their partner. And how common is this that people are not having their needs met sexually? Well, gosh, I think it's really common. It's my job, so (laughs) it's all I ever see. Um, You really only see the people who admit to have the problem. How how active do you think this? I think every relationship has issues with sex. Every in in the course of the relationship, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no no relationship is is sexually perfect. There are always periods of time where couples are struggling with sex in in whatever way. It, it you know there's there's not like one one way to struggle with sex, um, but I would imagine every romantic relationship out there has had issues with sex once once in their in their life course. So I think from what I heard earlier is that you pinpoint is the main real cause from what you've seen is the anxiety surrounding the sexual mm-hmm. act. And I guess your therapies are different ways of helping them relieve that anxiety. Yeah, typically. And, and getting more grounded in the present moment. I found that that helps tremendously. Fantastic. All right. We're going to ask you to, <coughs> sorry, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. Remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carl and David. And when we get back, we're going to talk to Katie about how to fix the problem and adding intimacy back into your relationship. So just hang on. We'll be right back. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. So this segment of The Sexy Lifestyle is sponsored by Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Throw it down and get it on. The Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket is made with an all-new cool-touch fleece technology that provides the softest playscape while the stay-dry inner barrier keeps your sheets dry no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. And, and when you're done, just throw it in the wash for a fast and easy cleanup while you enjoy the afterglow of great sex in a clean, warm environment. Large enough to cover a king-size bed and light enough to fold up small to travel discreetly so you can get it on anytime and anywhere the mood strikes. So maximize your orgasms and just let go with the Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Go sexylifestyle.com and get yours today because great sex starts now. This is The Sexy Lifestyle and we are Cal and David. Today we're talking with Dr. Katie Schubert, a sex therapist based in Florida who works with couples, individuals, and families on all issues related to sexuality, sex, gender, and sexual functioning. 
Now, we've been talking about sexual intimacy and all the problems that come with not having sex in a relationship. Uh, So now let's ask that million-dollar question. How do we get intimacy back into a relationship? Sure. Um, So, again, it very much depends on the problem at hand and and what kind of couple I'm working with. As I mentioned earlier, you know, some exercises aren't meant for all couples. So I I tend to feel my couples out and get a sense of what they need and what they're comfortable with. But I I usually use Sensei Focus with my clients. And again, that's um, a series of mindfulness massage dates that you have with your partner. And the main objective is to reduce anxiety so that they can enjoy sex more. And I, I always preface this by asking my clients, remember when you first got together how sex was easy and fun and it's all good. And of course they say, yeah, I remember that. And I say, well, it can be like that again if we can figure out a way that we can reduce this anxiety about, about your sexual life. So we have spoken many times about the need to have that balance between family, work, relationship, and sex. When, mm-hmm. when you have these patients that come in and talk about the anxieties that they have and you bring it up and you find they have, you know, one of the biggest problems is they don't have enough time to do all this stuff and their relationship and sex gets pushed to the side. How do you mm-hmm. micromanage their time to get them to have that time to add back in the sex and relationship issues? This is really, an, it's quite a difficult uh, thing to do with my couples because when I tell them that they need to schedule sex, they look at me like I'm crazy <laughs> because we've, we've been taught as a society that sex needs to be spontaneous and exciting and novel. And I think that because we have this belief about what sex should be, when it's not like that, we think that we're failing so when I when I tell my couples, okay, we're gonna we're gonna carve out two times this week for you to do these sensei dates with your with your partner. Person number one, you're going Saturday night. Person number two, you're going Monday night. They they are like, this isn't gonna work. It needs to be spontaneous in order for us to be successful. Uh, but but really, when when couples aren't having sex, they need to plan time to have sex, especially with really busy schedules and children. Um, the, the planning is crucial. Now, for me, I think spontaneous sex is like the bonus. It's the cherry on top of the cake. But yes. we definitely uh, definitely schedule sex or we know we have to put aside yes. time every day to spend time together and keep that intimacy mm-hmm. in our relationship. So, yeah, spontaneous sex is wonderful, whether it's in the shower, in the morning, in the afternoon, whenever it's not planned. But you have to also make sure that it's in your schedule all the time. During our radio show? <laughs> Sometimes it happens. We need, we, need, we need a few more commercial breaks. <laughs> So, you know, there is a difference between desire and arousal, but a lot of people don't really understand what that difference is. Maybe you can explain a little bit about those two terms. Um, I I think that, you know, in in order for you to desire your partner, you have to have some of your very basic needs met in that relationship. Um, Arousal can come and go, and it's, it's not necessarily based on desire all of the time, although desire helps. But most of the couples I see have desire issues where they just, you know, they're, they're fed up with their partner, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling busy, they're tired, and they just don't want to be touched at all by, by their partner or anybody else for that matter, just because their basic needs are being met in their life. And do these people, because they, 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 they might not want to be with their partner or are anxious to actually have sex with someone else, do these people 
do you find that they actually are okay masturbating and getting their pleasure and orgasms that way? Uh, so masturbation isn't isn't necessarily paired with sex in a lot of people's minds. It's just a way for them to de-stress oftentimes. But still, when, when I see couples who are really busy, who have kids, who have full work lives, even finding time to masturbate is difficult for wow. them. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard also that men are spontaneous and women are responsive when it comes to sexual arousal and desire. Do you guide your clients in a way that um, sometimes you just want to just go with the flow and hopefully the desire will come with it, like get started and get that arousal going and then the desire will follow? I guess sometimes, but you have to, you have to remember that most of my co- most of the couples I see in my office haven't had sex. I, I, I had one couple once who had had sex for seven years. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, getting them, if I were to tell them, just get started and the desire will come, they would look at me like I was, I was bonkers mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they've tried that. So I try really hard not to set them up for failure in that way. Uh, because sometimes if they do get started and the desire isn't there, then they just give up completely. Oftentimes the desire isn't there for a bigger reason. And I try and tackle that reason first. Now, some couples who haven't had sex for seven years, like maybe by then they don't even really know what their pleasure points are. And it's more difficult to even explain that to your partner. Do you encourage masturbation so they can reintroduce or rediscover what their pleasure points are? Later on down the road. But what I hear a lot from these couples is that it's just, I, I hear... Uh, getting started with intimate acts with my partner would just be so awkward at this point because we haven't we haven't broached that subject in so long, and so they they're off they're feeling awkward and embarrassed about their sexuality because they haven't shared it with their partner. So, so masturbation the, is definitely something that comes, but it comes later on down down the road. So when you give them these exercises to do, which are the the sensi focusing that kind of thing and the massage dates, how long does mm-hmm. it take after they start this therapy to then start actually feeling intimate with their partner? It really just depends on the couple um, and how often they're they're practicing these dates and what they're experiencing. So sometimes there's trauma involved in uh, in one person's history and if there's trauma involved it takes a whole lot longer for them to start feeling comfortable with uh, being intimate with our partner you know if the couple had gone seven years without having sex it's going to take longer for these sensei dates to progress so it really just depends on the couple now do you also explore their needs and wants and obviously one partner's not explaining the other ones or they don't know what their needs and wants are do you do you have some exercises that help them discover what's going to make them happy and sexually satisfied Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I, I tell them to talk to each other, um, which which sounds pretty obvious, but a lot, a lot of partners just don't talk to each other. So sometimes I'll have them, um, you know, do exercises or p- pick up books. There's a, there's a really great book out there. I'm, I'm forgetting the author's name right now, but it's, it's a book of, I guess, sexual dates that couples can do. And they tear they tear the pages out of this book and they unwrap them and it's like a surprise for their partner. Um, yeah, we have it. It's 101 Sexy Dares by Laura Korn and it's a great book and we use it regularly. I don't know how many pages we have left, but it's fantastic. So sometimes I'll have my, my couples do dates like that where they can experiment with new things and they can talk about their experiences after the date. What did you like? What didn't you like? Did anything make you feel uncomfortable? Um, is anything a repeat? 
And just open communication about about these sexy dates seem to get partners on the same page about what you know what their partner likes and doesn't like. And it sounds a little bit like they're sharing fantasies or at least trying to fulfill yes. some fantasies, and that often opens up dialogue. Definitely. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Now, how do you deal with couples where one partner has a fantasy and the other one is like, hell no, there's no way I'm going to do something like that? <laughs> um, well, I, I ask them to keep an open mind, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll have uh, two dates carved out during the week. And the first date is set up by the first person and the second date is set up by the second person. And each person gets a chance to have an evening that represents their fantasy. Mm. And sometimes people are more willing to give in to their partner's, I guess, crazy fantasy if they know that they're going to have a chance to do the same thing. Absolutely. That sounds like fun, too. And that's mm-hmm. I'm sure that brings out dialogue and it's successful at adding back that intimacy and the fun and the excitement that they just haven't had for such a long time. Yes. Well, we saw that on Two and a Half Men, yeah. where um, Alan wanted to have a threesome, and Lindsay said, yeah, okay, sure. And then Lindsay says, but I go first, and she wanted it with two men, and he was like, two men? <laughs> Hell no. He was imagining two women, of course. <laughs> Every guy wants the threesome with two women. Mm-hmm. And of so, course. Yeah, that was very funny. And what happens if, if someone tries to, or they get to the point where they're, they've, they've experienced that fantasy, and it wasn't all that great? Do you tell them, well, try it again, because, you know, the first time you might have been a bit nervous? I leave it up to them. So I, I, I kind of, as a therapist, I try not to take too much of a, of a, of a lead in the relationship. Um, I, I just ask them to talk about it, work through it, and do what they're both comfortable with. Now, do they are they intimate with you and tell you what they think and do that they can't tell their partner or do they see you together as a couple? I always try and see my couples together because I want them to feel comfortable telling me what they would say in front of their partner. So I, I don't want to keep secrets for couples. Right, and then and saying it the second time, this is what we talked about is just a secondhand type of point of view, which is not always as as relevant as the first hand. Right. All right. <laughs> Up next is our sexy myth-busting game where we're going to get into intimacy and relationships. So hang on. We'll be right back. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com. And we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This segment of The Sexy Lifestyle is sponsored by the SDC Erotic Escapade to the island of Crete in Greece, April 28th to May 3rd. If you've ever attended an SDC takeover event, then you know what the amazing job they do creating the ultimate erotic setting. SDC has been hosting Swinger Travel since 2006, and they showcase sexy, fun couples from around the world, offering central theme nights, exotic pool parties, sexy playrooms. The opportunities are endless. They also offer amazing sexologists like Dan Tamim. <laughs> Absolutely. So join us in Crete at the crossroads of Africa, Asia, and Europe. This sexy Grecian playground is an all-inclusive five-star resort where you'll experience Greek hospitality at, at its best. Book this SDC sex capade by checking out our website, thesexylifestyle.com, for all the details. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. Today, we're talking with Katie Schubert, sex expert from Florida. 
So now it's time for our sexy myth-busting game where we're going to get into intimacy and relationships. So Katie, are you ready? I am. All right. Babe, you go with the first one. Okay. So you need to have sex to have true intimacy. Uh, false. Okay. <laughs> um, so any kind of physical intimacy is intimacy. It doesn't matter whether or not it's intercourse, uh, oral sex, just touching, massage. Uh, it's just important that it's physical intimacy. So as long as we're touching each other, intimacy happens. Can we kind of define what is intimacy? What does that mean? That's a question I ask all of the time in my office because it really just depends on the couple. So some people, some couples define intimacy as sexual intercourse. Uh, some couples define intimacy as just physical touch. Uh, so it really depends on the couple. And how important is kissing with respect to intimacy? Um, I think that also depends on the couple. Some some couples are all about kissing and some aren't. I had a couple once where this was actually a big issue because he was very much into kissing um, and that's how he, that, that's how his arousal was sparked um, and she wasn't so much into it. They, have different, they had different kissing styles as they put it and so we had to work together to, to find a kissing style that worked for both of them. <laughs> well, that, uh, for sure, compatibility and kissing I think is very, very important. I can remember when I was dating way back when and if the guy kissed me and I didn't feel the spark right then and there, I knew it wasn't the right thing and I could feel it right yeah. from the kiss. So, but, but we still see that as swingers, right? You yes, know, we, we go do. out, we go to parties, we're in foursomes and moresomes and both of us love kissing and when we get mm-hmm. together with a couple and they're not the greatest kissers, it definitely changes the dynamic changes the bit, dynamics yes. and the excitement and the erection and the wetness mm-hmm. and all that yeah. because we both do get turned on by great kissing right so yeah yeah here's myth number two you have to give up your personal goals to ensure intimacy no i i would say that that's probably false as well um, i think that you know in a in a healthy relationship probably your personal goals would include physical intimacy but I can't imagine how you would need to give up your personal goals in order to achieve intimacy. So it's not about your personal goals. It's about what you do together, but you don't have to give up your individuality to, to make your couple stronger and more intimate. No, absolutely not. I, I always tell my couples it's really important to have boundaries, healthy boundaries. And again, it, it very much depends on the, on the couple. Some, some couples are cool doing everything together. Some couples want their private space, but... For the most part, I would say that it's important for people to retain their own hobbies and, you know, some of their own friends and some of their own just private, private time in order for that relationship to be healthy. Super. So here's uh, myth number four. You need to keep your anger and annoyance to yourself. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> no, uh, you, you need to communicate with your partner. And, and that's that's really as you know it's, it's super simple you communicate with your partner so you don't explode on your partner and if you keep your anger and your annoyance to yourself you are bound to explode on your partner at a at a seemingly irrational time and do so, you, yeah communication is key do you do a lot of anger management in your therapy I do and I always tell people that anger is never an emotion that comes in isolation so people feel anger when they're feeling something that is more vulnerable, a more vulnerable emotion like sadness or hurt. Uh, so anger is, is always a symptom of something bigger. So when I do anger management, it always turns into something else because we're, we're dealing with something more painful generally. And Katie, 
Uh, Carol and I have this issue all the time because like every other couple, we do have fights. We have great sex. We, we're normal people. But mm-hmm. is, is there like a time limit that when you have a fight that it's like, okay, we're done. Let's move on. Is it like five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks? <laughs> no, it just, it depends on my couple and their communication style. So some, some people really need to hash out all of the details. Some don't. But I think that in, in conversations that you're having with your partner, if you, if you do want to get something resolved quickly, you need to make sure to actually listen to your partner, to reflect what they're saying back to them so that they know that they're being heard and to validate their feelings. Oftentimes when I see couples, they're acting like they're enemies instead of best friends. And I remind them, you guys chose each other. Your, your friends, your partners, your lovers act like it. And when your partner is hurting, it doesn't really matter if you agree or disagree. What matters is that you, you make your partner feel heard um, and you, you validate their feelings about something. And if you can do that genuinely, usually fights are resolved very quickly. Beautiful. And, and what about makeup sex? I knew oh, he was coming to that. <laughs> if it's for the couple, sure. Um, I have couples who love their makeup sex. I have couples who need a few days to to heal from the fight before they want to be touched again. That's me. I like that cool off period. Well, I need a cool yeah. off period where don't come near me, yeah. don't talk to me. And once I'm cooled off, then I can discuss it. Then we have that irrational discussion that follows the fight. Yeah. And I like to be smiling and happy. And then I don't like calling it makeup sex. I just like calling it wonderful sex because I want to forget about that yeah. bad fight that we just went through. Yeah, we could agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> he wants the makeup <laughs> sex right away. You get that part, right? <laughs> He's uh-huh, the typical guy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, here's one here that says it's better not to go to bed mad at your partner. Well, that, that one's a hard one for me because I feel so strongly about it in my personal life. I, I, I do not like to go to bed mad because the next morning I wake up even more mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but some couples, it works. Some couples, they say, let's just go to bed, let's sleep on it, and then they wake up and they're fine in the morning, which I totally don't get. But if it works for you, it works for you. You just need to figure out what works for you and your relationship. Right. I think that's great advice because I know, um, yeah, I do go to bed mad sometimes, but it's usually worse in the morning. So it probably for yeah. me would have been better to stay up a little bit longer and resolve it and have a nice snuggly <laughs> night. Make up sex. Right. <laughs> right makeup. away. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's David. Sex in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. How about sex in the morning? <laughs> well, yes. If, about- if it's resolved, yes. Or we can resolve yeah, it by go. having yeah. sex. <laughs> No, so that's, the makeup sex doesn't resolve it. I guess that's kind of where I'm, I'm stuck on the fact that I don't really agree with makeup sex because that's not what's resolving it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. nice to have sex, and it's, but it has to be resolved before having sex. All right, I've got another one here that says your partner's personality is unlikely to change. Uh, yes and no. So I guess the way that I see personalities and people, I, I, I use the, the analogy of, like a, of an onion and you have pieces about yourself that are kind of like the outer layer of the onion, the, the part that you get rid of when you chop it up. And then you have like the center, the center pieces of your personality. And it really depends on what we're talking about. I think there are things about personalities that can change over time with, with work. So communication, for instance, your communication style and pattern can change with the right amount of work. But there are, there are things about personalities that don't change no matter how hard you try. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Myers-Briggs test, 
but the, the Myers-Briggs test tells you like your, your deep down personality, who, who you, who you truly are. And those things don't change. So how extroverted or introverted you are or whether or not you're a thinker or a feeler, those things don't change very readily, but there are pieces that, that can be changed, I think. Because some people are like born with certain personalities. I mean, we have three, well, we have six kids altogether, but I raised my three earlier in life. And from the day they were born, you know, they have a specific personality, which, you know, mm-hmm. now they're young adults. Certainly, they haven't changed that. But you're right. There are definitely parts of your personality that you can learn and I guess manage, adapt, adapt yeah, manage yourself because it's not just by right. nature you're like that. And, and that's how you can maintain uh, the relationship strong by understanding which parts are compatible. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I, I often have my couples take the Myers-Briggs because it's important, I think, to, to know what pieces of your partner are due to their personality and which pieces of your partner can be can be altered and, and by knowing that, you tend to just understand them better and fight less with them. Yeah, like one of the things that happens to me, as soon as I get emotional, my voice gets louder. And that's it. So mm-hmm. now, uh, it seems like I'm yelling, but I really am just trying to stress my point <laughs> by using yeah. my voice when I don't feel heard. So it sounds like I'm yelling, but I'm not really. I'm just She's trying, yelling. I'm just trying to get my She's emotions. Yelling. Very loud. She yells. <laughs> David is such a non-yeller that my yelling like puts him off. But I'm telling him that's just me feeling emotional. My voice immediately goes up. And even though I try to control that, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be one of your your foundations to your personality. I mean, it it may not be changeable. But I I, I would imagine that David knows how you feel or what happens to you when you get passionate. He's not going to be as inclined to experience that as a trigger yeah exactly he just knows that when mm-hmm. i'm trying to push a point my voice automatically goes louder that's okay we but get how about if we make a compromise a- every time your voice gets louder after that we have sex okay we'll have the makeup lower the voice sex. <laughs> exactly. that's even better <laughs> for sure i love it all right here's another myth if things are going badly now they're bound to improve over time no that's that's definitely a myth. If things are going bad now and they're not looked at critically and not resolved, uh, they will probably ruin your relationship. Relationships really are our work. You have to keep on them. You have to keep working at them. And uh, we always say, even if they're bad, if you work at it, it's never too late to start again. Yes. Yeah, very true. Those couples that came to you seven years later, did you ask them why they didn't come sooner? Yes, it was a while ago. Um, I'm sure I did. And their answer was probably, uh, we didn't have time, or we didn't really see as an issue, or it wasn't causing problems. And were they afraid to talk about their issues to somebody? Sometimes there's a stigma about going to seek help. You know, you really have to to be Mm -hmm. really needing that help to find the, the oomph to get there and seek help from somebody outside the family. Yes, definitely. And I see that more among men than, than women. Women women ask for help more readily than men do. When I see men, in my, especially single men in my office, they've just gotten to a point where they're completely desperate and they will do anything to resolve their issue. So I see them at the very end of, of their problem, typically, where, where things have just gotten awful. Uh, whereas women are a little bit more proactive about seeking help. But it, it's incredible that you said you had this couple who hadn't had sex for seven years. We did a show called The Sexless Marriage, 
And basically, the sexless marriage is defined as having sex less, ten, than, less than 10 times a year. That's, like, that's once a month. And this couple didn't have sex for seven years. I mean, imagine how many couples out there, I know a bunch of guys that I play softball with, they're lucky to get sex once a year on their birthday. And <laughs> they're just living with it. They're not dealing with it because sex once a year is just not good for your couple. Even though you think your couple is surviving and getting through and everything is good, you have to have sex. If they want to be having sex, they should be having sex, yes. Yeah, of course. If, if they're in a trusted, loving relationship, then sex is just part of that. And putting it aside is really not natural or it's not, it's not good for you. You need to have that good communication and the good sex when you're in a good, strong relationship. Yeah, the intimacy. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would specify intimacy instead of sex. But, but yes, I agree with you. Okay, perfect. All righty, Katie, we're going to take another break. And we're going to remind everybody that this is a sexy lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And when we come back, we're going to do our Great Sex Matters segment. And we're going to get a little personal with Dr. Katie Schubert. So hang on. We'll be right back. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. Now for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. And we're here talking with Dr. Katie Schubert. She's a sex therapist from Florida. And our topic today is sexual intimacy. But we're going to get a little bit personal with Dr. Katie because we know she's just had a baby a few months ago. And we want to know how that affected her sexual intimacy. So, Katie, tell us about your baby. Uh, My baby is four and a half months now. And he's amazing. But we are exhausted (laughs) because he, you know... They say that they start sleeping through the night at, what, three or four months, and he is nowhere near sleeping through the night. He's still waking up about (laughs) six times a night. And you have have a very uh, busy life to start with. So now you have your busy life. You have a newborn in the house. How have you found that you can keep that balance between family work and your couple? It's hard. It's really hard. Um, I think that we're just kind of going through the motions and hoping that things will get easier with time. Which they do, um, by the way. No, <laughs> oh, thank you. I need to hear that. Yes, they do. <laughs> and pe- people, people are saying that to us, but we're having a difficult belie- time believing it considering we're right in the middle of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm teaching full-time at University of Tampa, and I'm, I have my own private practice. And, and this is your first child, right? Yes, he okay. is our first yes. child. Yeah. And are you fi- are uh, and you are you finding that time to have that intimacy, that sex with your husband? Um, we no, we are we're, <laughs> we're tired. <laughs> we're very tired, and it it has been a challenge to just carve out some time for us. We've only gone on a few dates since he's been born. You know, not not for the lack of of help around us, but because we don't want to leave him and we feel guilty going out without him, and um, I get worried. So it's it, it's been it's been a challenge for but, sure. But at least you're talking about it and you're you're communicating that you know we're not here, we're not there, but let's try and do this date. So you're, you're putting in the effort. We are, yes, and we know that things will get easier, and we know that we'll have more time together in the future. But right now, our energy is given to to our baby boy, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, once things get easier, then you have another one. 
Yeah, usually that's what happens. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you know, we've all gone through it, and we've all survived it, and we all have this wonderful relationship afterwards as well. Yeah, we have six. Yeah, we have six kids, so we know the story. But you wrote a blog yeah. about breastfeeding and sex and the relationship uh-huh. they're in. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I, I was just interested in this. I, uh the Latch Mama, it was a, it, it's a website that they, they, I guess they sell clothes for um, breastfeeding moms. And they wanted me to write a blog for them about breastfeeding and sex. And at that time, I hadn't had a baby and I hadn't experienced breastfeeding. So I asked a bunch of my friends who had gone through it about their experiences breastfeeding and sex. And women wanted to talk about it. They, they wanted to get their stories out because they felt like it wasn't something that is talked about. And it really, it really isn't. There's a, there's a lot about childbirth and post childbirth that aren't discussed openly. Can, can I just, um, and can, women, can I just stop you for a second? Because I'm a little, sure. lost. I'm a little lost here. Where do you put the baby when you're breastfeeding while you're having sex? <laughs> <laughs> no? That's the last thing on women's minds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little, a little bit of comedy here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Sorry, Katie. Oh go my on. gosh! I, I, I'm sure. I, yeah, a lot of women would would, would punch you for that. <laughs> He's safe with me. There's no babies in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thankfully. So women just they, they don't want to they don't want to have to deal with another person's needs when they're breastfeeding. I feel like a lot of women are saying things like, "My body has been." Um, this this baby's property for nine plus months, and I don't need it to serve anybody else's needs at the moment. And so, women who are breastfeeding, the women that I spoke with were were pretty, I guess, apprehensive to be having sex. Uh, not only because they had just given birth to a baby, but because their their bodies were still serving the needs of this baby. Now, I remember when um, when I had my small children, and it was really fashionable, I guess you want to call it, to have to at least breastfeed for minimum three months. But today, people are breastfeeding for years. So how mm-hmm. does that work for the husband? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea. I don't know how it works for the women. Let, I mean, the husbands are kind of just a, a second thought at this point. I, I, I certainly couldn't do it. And I, I can't imagine how women breastfeed for for more than just a few months. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment, and it's a lot of time giving your body to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely, and you feel like that's your only purpose in life. And have you heard yeah, from I, some of the women you spoke to that breastfeeding was actually a turn-on or an arousal, and it got them in the mood to have sex? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no, I, I've never heard that. <laughs> well, there was an article, I Just remember, a guy. when my, I had my third kid, <laughs> there was an article posted somehow that I'm sure a man wrote it, because I don't remember now, it was a long time ago, like 20 years ago, and my baby's already 20 years old, so... Um, <laughs> When he was breastfeeding, or I was breastfeeding him at the time, and I was going back to work, I remember someone at the office said, oh, I've heard that when a baby's sucking on your tit, it's, it feels like, you know, whatever, and it's arousing. I go, like, no, who would even oh write gosh. something like that? And, like, that's all he was thinking about, like, thinking that I was breastfeeding a baby and I was getting turned on. I thought, no, oh. you're misinformed. That's not happening oh, with no. me. 
So yeah. No, I've I've never I've never heard a woman make that link before. But then again, I haven't talked to all women, so maybe there's one woman out there who who feels that way. I'm not sure. Well, and a guy found that one woman and wrote about it for sure. That's how it turned okay. out. Okay. An article in the <laughs> yeah. newspaper. Now I know that emotions are fluctuating all the time, especially after during during pregnancy and after childbirth. But for you yourself, how have you handled those that emotional roller coaster with your baby, with you know pulling on one side and your work and your husband? Um, lucky for me, I, I didn't experience a lot of like hormonal shifts uh, while I was pregnant or after I gave birth. I, I think that the, the biggest challenge for me was just uh, managing my time and not getting enough sleep. I, I think that I, I heard some advice from, from a good friend of mine about sleep because before I had him, before I had my baby, sleep was my life. Like I, I needed at least, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep every single night that was uninterrupted. And if I didn't get that, I was a disaster in the morning. And I'm certainly not getting that now. And she told me when, when I asked her, how are you managing not getting that much sleep? She said to me, I just decided to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And surprisingly, it worked. <laughs> I just decided to be okay with you know, not getting enough sleep and knowing that I was going to be ungodly busy for for a while. Well, positive attitude certainly helps everything. It's a healing tool as yeah. well. So, yeah, that's a great attitude to have. If you can't change yeah. it, just live with it and enjoy it and turn it around, right? Right, exactly. But have you given yourself any breaks at all with any private or personal time just for you, not even with your husband or your work or... No, I haven't. And I know that I should. It's, it's what I would tell my clients to do. But, um, <laughs> the doctor is the worst know, patient. <laughs> I know. I know. Sometimes it's hard to take your own advice. And I, I know that I need it. And I know that I'll get it eventually. But I, I just haven't had the time to do it. And you will schedule some alone time with your husband as well, right? You will put that in the schedule and plan it just like you would tell some of your clients. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm guilty for not taking my own advice. Uh, like I said, we've, we've had a few date nights since he was born where we just had each other and we went out and had like a normal couple date and, and, and ate without being interrupted and sat and talked without being interrupted. And it was magnificent, but no, we're not, we're not carving out enough time. Okay, well, now you know you need to do that, so you will, I'm sure. Yes. Now, what about yes. body image? <laughs> body image is one of those things that I'm always interested in because, you know, even though nine months is a short period of time, it's not really long enough to have a permanent body image change, but our bodies mm-hmm. do change after we ha- give birth. And some women don't feel sexy after that. So how would you, now that you've gone through it, how would you advise your clients who might have that fear or feeling? Well, I... I struggled with that a bit and um, I found a lot just w- women in general are just incredibly supportive. And when you reach out for help with your, with your female friends, I, I, I've found that I've gotten incredible support from, from moms who have gone through the same thing. And probably the best, the best words of advice I've been given is just be patient with your body and know that it's a process and your body does shift drastically. I mean, I, I, I alone, I gained 50 pounds mm-hmm. being pregnant and he, he only weighed nine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I remember I got on the, I got on the scales after I gave birth to him 
and I had only lost eight pounds. Yeah. So I was <laughs> well, like, that, how, that, that makes how sense because you only weighed nine, right? <laughs> right. I was yeah. like, I, I, I didn't even know how that was possible. You know, just be patient with the process and give your body time and know that, you know, your, your body does what it needs to do. And especially when you're breastfeeding, I mean, you retain all of those calories that you're putting into your body because your body needs them. Being patient and understanding that it's a process has gone a long way just for me. And how important is it for the husband or the partner in the relationship to be su- supportive of that time, whatever time it may be, for the woman to, again, feel good about herself? Incredibly important. I think that husbands, partners need to make sure to not be hard on their on their uh, partners and compliment them <laughs> and say thank you for you know having your body do all of this hard work for our family it's all it's all very important beautiful i just want to get back to another point about the 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 woman who just had the baby who's not feeling sexy and doesn't want to have sex is it okay for the husband to just masturbate and tell the wife, I have these issues, not these issues, but these needs, and I'm just going to go over there and I'm going to masturbate and take care of myself. I, I, I understand where you're at, but is masturbation okay? Depends on the couple. So some, some couples that I see, uh, women are 100% on board with that, and some couples that I see, the women aren't okay mm. with that. So I think the couples need to talk to each other and, and be very open about their boundaries and what they expect from their partners and talk through those sorts of situations together. But cer- certainly requesting that, or at least opening the dialogue about Talking it, is about the first it. thing to do and see how they react yes. and respect other people's wishes. Yes. Because cool. I know in, in our couple, if there's a couple of days or times where you know one of us aren't into it, we're okay with each other masturbating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of couples are. Yeah. Um, but I, I have had a lot of couples in my office who aren't okay with that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Carol likes going through all our toy samples and trying them one at a time at a time at a time. And it's like, hey, what about me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds don't, like poor David, no, but don't worry, no, he gets his no share. It's all David. good. <laughs> all right. Okay, so now uh, it's time for some real advice. What, do you, what would you say are the top two things that a, a couple could do tonight to help them add intimacy back into their relationship so they can start enjoying great sex again? Be nice to each other mm. and don't put pressure on one another. So being nice meaning doing some a favor, being attentive. What does that mean, being nice? Uh, it just it, Whatever it means for the couple. I, you know, oftentimes when I see couples, um, when they've stopped having sex, they've also stopped being nice to each other. Oh, I see. Okay. And they, they're not complimenting each other. They're not being respectful to one another. And I think that... Um, when, when couples realize that and they make a concerted effort to be nice to one another, the intimacy does come back because then, then they feel safer and more secure in that relationship and they want to be more intimate. And what was the second one? No pressure. So not, yeah, no not pressure. having expectations and not forcing, right. but making it come naturally. Yes. And I guess and naturally, um, through, the, through the use of, of being nice to each other and complimenting one another. And then you, how, how would you feel that that's going to add the great sex back into the, so the intimacy back into their life in the same night or it takes time? No, no. I mean, if a couple's lost intimacy, then it's not going to, 
just come back in one night. But I think the sensei dates, you know, if, if you wanted to achieve it in one night, the sensei dates would definitely be a route to go. And the sensei dates, again, are just, um, they're, they're non-sexual massages, the, the first round at least, where couples touch each other at their own pace. And again, there's no pressure for sex and therefore the anxiety is lifted, but you're, you're touching your partner in, a, in an intimate way still. And even if it's nowhere near the genitals, it could be the hand, it could be the head, it could be the back yeah. or the feet, yeah. anything nice. Right. And as far away from the, I'm going to say the erotic zones as possible to start with, so yes. you start feeling mm-hmm. happy rather than just feeling aroused. Wonderful. Yes, completely. Beautiful. Well, Katie, and that's coming up to the end of our show. Thanks so much for sharing your um, amazing advice and some of those stories. Why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell everybody how they can reach out to you? Sure. So my website is www.drkatieshubert.com. So it's D-R-K-A-T-I-E-S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. And my email is the same, drkatieshubert at gmail.com. Um, and on my website, there's a, there's a form that you can fill out to submit questions or concerns. And I will get back to you if you send me something. Beautiful. So, we're learning more and more every week from all our fantastic sexpert guests, and we hope you do too. And remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com radio show guest page, and see all our amazing sexperts. Click on their link and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. Katie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Everybody, let's thank everybody out there for listening. Remember to sign up on stc.com for one month free using our promo code 30314. Oh, we have some amazing events and trips coming up this weekend. We're going to be at Hito Kama Sutra in Hedonism, Jamaica with Lady D and Sarge from vacationparties.com. Then in March, we'll be with Tom's Trips once again at Hito in Jamaica for the Miss No Swimsuit Contest, March 3rd to 10th. And we're so looking forward to the SDC's erotic escapade in Greece at in Crete, Greece, April 28 to May 3rd. And then in July, again with STC, we're going to Cap Dag, the Naked City, July 2nd to 10th. And if you're looking for a once-in-a-lifetime experience, join us on this trip. Book now, space is limited, and it's selling out fast. Of course, as the reigning king and queen of Naughty, we will be getting Naughty and Naughty in Orleans, July 25 to 30. And for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website at thesexylifestyle.com or send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, where we'll be broadcasting live on location from Hedonism 2 in the Grill Beach, Jamaica, with Lady D and Sarge for their 10th annual Hedo Kama Sutra Week. We are Carol and David, reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 